Podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with the career in the sport industry. We provide Uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become Uncommon. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we are back into our series, How Did You Get There Today?, where present leaders in the sport industry will be sharing with us how they have navigated a career in the sport industry. I'm excited to have Vanderbilt's Deputy Athletic Director of External Affairs and Revenue Generation, Tommy McClellan, joining us from Nashville, Tennessee today. Tommy, how are you? I'm doing well, Noah. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And Tommy, you've had an impressive sport industry resume, spending time as an athlete and graduate assistant at your alma mater, Northwestern State, an intern with the Southland Conference, the director of athletics at McNeese State at the age of 26, playing an impressive role as Louisiana Tech's director of athletics, and entering the Power Five landscape at Vanderbilt. And Tommy, just start by sharing with us how you got your start in the sport industry and why you decided to have a career as an administrator in college athletics. Yeah, well, again, like I said earlier, thanks so much for having me and just giving me the opportunity to share my story. And that's what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Um, When I was, I grew up in a very small high school in South Louisiana. And my my knowledge of athletic administration was that our head football coach was also the AD, was also the person that taped our ankles before the game. I mean, it was a very small high school. And so Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't exposed to really the, the, the administrative side. It was more of like, that's what I thought, mm-hmm. you know, coaches had to do to coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and many do, and yeah. we're grateful for it. So when I got the opportunity to go to Northwestern State University in Natchitoches, Louisiana, where I was a football student athlete and a track and field um, student athlete, it was the first time, although it was a small level of SCS uh, football or mm-hmm. athletics, it was the first time where I saw an athletics director, a compliance office, an academic support, you know, a fundraising wing. Mm-hmm. And and I was really enamored by it. I originally thought I wanted to be a coach yeah. and uh, had gone in thinking that that's what I wanted to do. And so um, Greg Burke, who recently just uh, stepped down as the athletic director at Northwestern State, was uh, there then and has been my mentor for a very long time and showed me what a very good athletic director is and what they mm. should be. Yeah. And so that was where the inspiration came. And then um, literally uh, the going down the hallways, this probably tells me how old I am, but uh, there was these billboards that you would have like the push, push pin uh, in, in the, you know, in the academic areas of various, your, your college. So I was in the health and human performance college mm-hmm. And there was a push pin with a pull tab that was like, get a degree in sports management, get a master's degree in sports management. Wow. So pulled the tab, called the number, set up uh, a meeting with an advisor and was like, hey, I'm really interested in this master's degree program. 
what do I need to do? And so mm-hmm. began to shift my undergrad yeah. to figure out how to focus on getting that master's degree. And so that's where the where my appetite was wet uh, uh, as it relates to the idea of being in college athletics and administrator. Yeah. And then as I finished out my collegiate uh, career uh, at Northwestern State, I had the opportunity to be a grad assistant uh, with Greg Burke and work in his office. And that really given me uh, an opportunity to, to, to kind of see it firsthand. And then from there, uh, you know, I started applying for internships because mm-hmm. part of my master's degree program was to finish that out. Yeah. And from there, I got my first opportunity in college athletics as an intern at the Southland Conference office working for Tom Burnett. Yeah, that's awesome. Tommy, I appreciate you sharing that, and definitely just really cool to see your willingness to really step out, and even though your undergrad wasn't exactly on the same track as as your interest in sports, taking that initiative to get involved in that post-grad opportunity. So, and I appreciate you sharing about the Southland Conference as well, and for sometimes with our students, getting internships, getting involved in things that are at the next level, uh, getting actual experience can be really tough. So, kind of share with us how you came about that experience and what you can kind of give as advice to our students in terms of finding uh, internships and opportunities. Yeah, I think being open, right? I mean, when you're at when you're at the headwaters of your life and your career, you have to be willing to go a bunch of different ways. Yeah. And and be open to those things. I mean, not to say that you don't have a passion or a built-in vision for what mm. you want your life to be. Mm-hmm. But if you'd asked me when I was finishing out at Northwestern State what I wanted to do, I wanted to be on a campus. Yeah. I wanted to be, you know, probably in the state of Louisiana. I want quite frankly, I wanted to work in Northwestern State. Yeah. And that didn't happen. Um, and so I interviewed with the Independence Bowl in Shreveport. I interviewed at LSU for like a, a facilities job. Mm. And then I was working, this, I was volunteering. Here we go, the key word. I was volunteering yep. for the Southland Conference Baseball Championship wow. hosted in Natchitoches, Louisiana. Yeah. And on Championship Sunday, the commissioner came in. And in a conversation the commissioner was having with our athletics director, he mentioned that they were going to be starting a new internship program just to be looking out. And he said, well, hey, yeah. I want to introduce you to someone in on our staff. Wow. So made a casual connection. Commissioner Burnett said, hey, we'd love for you to send your resume in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went up, drove up and applied. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. I was yeah. able to get that opportunity. But mm-hmm. I think just that willingness to, to if, if I wasn't willing to work, yeah. if I wasn't willing to volunteer for that championship that was right there in our backyard, I might have missed a, a great opportunity for me to get, uh, you know, this chance at the Southland Conference. The Southland yeah. Conference was an amazing experience. It taught me a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one is, you know, conferences kind of are the, are the decision makers. They facilitate decisions. They're not the yeah. decision maker. They make decisions for their greater good based right. on the membership, uh, which is sometimes a misconception that they are, you know, the, the decision makers. Um, and then it also told me that I really had a passion for being on campus. I loved the interaction with the student athletes. I love the highs and the lows yeah. uh, of being on campus at a conference mm-hmm. office during conference play right. every Monday morning. When you come in, half the teams have won, half the teams have lost. Yeah. Uh, whereas that's not the case, you know, uh, when you're on campus, you're riding those waves. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was where I knew that I had a passion for being on mm-hmm. campus. Yeah. Absolutely, Tommy, and I appreciate you sharing the the importance of volunteering. And oftentimes in the early stages of a sport industry career, you're going to have to volunteer or take a very small amount of pay 
to really get those experiences. So I appreciate you sharing that. It, it is the reality of a journey through the sport industry. So I think our students hearing that is really comforting, uh, seeing where you are now, that it is a part of that journey. So I appreciate you sharing that. And Tommy, your next stop in the sport industry after your internship with the Southland was at McNeese State, uh, where you served as an assistant athletic director of internal affairs and eventually earned the role as director of athletics. So what was that experience like and how did you handle the pressures that came along with being a director of athletics at the age of 26? Yeah. So, the you know, again, I'm at the Southland Conference. I'm applying for full-time employment now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm applying from everywhere from Maine to California and everywhere in between. Yeah. <clears throat> at this time, I'm married. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was married. And so uh, my wife was a school teacher. So we had a lot of flexibility on where we could go. Yeah. We were we did not have kids yet. So we were very open to just kind of where, where the Lord would lead us. And it led us right back home uh, for me, uh, two hours from her home and and less than an hour from mine. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the other lesson of this is, you know, as a student athlete, our rival was McNeese and I could never fathom and work in my mind thought, man, that I would ever work there. (laughs) And, uh, you know, got an opportunity to go there, work for an incredibly, an incredibly uh, talented and gifted man in Sonny Watkins, who was a former uh, basketball coach, women's basketball coach, yeah. and had become the AD there. And although Sonny was what we might refer to as old school, yeah. uh, he led with integrity and professionalism that has mm. given me a foundation uh, for for how to lead a department. Yeah. Uh, and And brought me alongside was really um, you know, when you become an AD at an early age, you don't have mentors, right? right? So like, that's the negative. When you, when you have the opportunity to work for great people and you kind of, uh, have a quote, normal mm-hmm. ascend, uh, right. that occurs, you can say, well, I worked for, in our business, it would be, you know, well, I worked for Kevin White or I worked for Joe Castiglione or I yep. worked for, you know, Mac Rhodes or whoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had Sonny Watkins for nine months but the amount of integrity and professionalism that he displayed has given me an incredible foundation for, mm. for how to, to lead. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, so I'm there, I'm working, I'm a coordinator of athletic events. That's my official title. It is like kind of like an assistant AD, I guess, but I, but I oversaw everything. I had internal ops, I had fundraising, I had ticket office, uh, marketing promotions. It was almost like a deputy AD job. It's a wow. small, small uh, department. Yeah. And he announces that he's going to resign at the end of the year, Re- mm. excuse me, retire. He, he is going to hang it up. And he calls me in his office and just says, Hey, I, I really encourage you to apply. I said, well, wow. Sonny, I'm 25, which I was 25 at the time. And yeah. I said, they're not going to hire me. So maybe not. But he said, you know, you told me you wanted to be an AD. This is an opportunity. There's really no one in the department that probably is qualified to do that. Maybe you are, maybe you're not, but uh, you'll get some good experience. And I, mm-hmm. I really think you ought to do this. So naivete, I go and fill out my resumes one page long. I'll never forget. I mean, I applied for a division one AD job and I had a one page resume. Wow and uh, submitted it, uh, had the opportunity to interview. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it was practically as most people would understand, it was it was a hard decision because people were, I think they were um, intrigued by my thoughts and my ideas. And yeah. then I was, uh, you know, kind of a counter to, to Sonny. I was young, I was not a coach. Yeah. Um, 
But there's also the concern, hey, this is a 25-year-old, and are we right. ready to turn over a multi-million dollar budget to him when yeah. we don't know much about him? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I'm grateful for uh, Dr. Robert Abear, who was the president at the time, and, and said, let's give him a chance. And so they named me yeah. interim at 25. Wow. And then a year later, they removed the interim at 26. And so, you know, what did I learn in that? I mean, I'm so forever grateful for McNeese and for yeah. the opportunity they gave me uh, to make mistakes, mm-hmm. to 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 learn. Um, you know, my father is not an athletic director. I did not have like I, I literally. It, it is about having core, kind of core principles, and about right. having a, a, a like a what it is you kind of know is true, right. and then you're building a skill set around that. My dad mm-hmm. worked for the federal government. And I remember my father telling me, son, you're going to have to have a thick skin in this business and an oily back, meaning you just have to let things roll off. Yep. And that is proven to be mm. tremendous advice uh, and that you're, you know, not to take things so yeah. personal. You know, you have a job to do. Totally. And I, all, along the way, I was blessed uh, with great coaches mm. who were patient with a 25 year old. Um, and, you know, there's no question that it is it's, you know, there's just God's provision is in this, right? I mean, you think oh, about yeah. a 25 year old with nine months of actual full-time experience mm-hmm. applying for a job. I have no business getting it other than the fact that the, that the Lord was able to impress on the decision mm-hmm. makers, something in them that they saw in me yep. to then go out on, on faith to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, certainly undeserving of the opportunity did not mm-hmm. deserve it. And it reminds me of um, the verse in First Corinthians where God says he chooses the foolish things of the world to mm. shame the wisdom of the wise. Mm. And I, I don't think there's any doubt that that was me. And I say that not in a self-deprecating way, but like in a way that says in all practicalness, like I'm not qualified for that job. Right. Why did I get it? Mm. And um, I'm so grateful that I did. And I hope that I was a good steward of it when I had it. Um and it's just, it's not a normal path, right? I mean, mm. we're going to be talking about volunteer and pay your dues mm. and work hard. Well, you know, so Tommy, you became an AD at 25. You didn't do that. Now I did it in reverse. Yeah. Once I got it, I had to maintain it, which sometimes is harder. Totally. Um, but, you know, it, it is one of those things I do often think back on. And, yeah. You know, have, would, my, would I want things to be different? Would I have rather maybe not had that? Mm. Uh, no. That experience is yeah. so invaluable to mm-hmm. my life, uh, not only as an administrator, but just as a person uh, on how to deal with people. And so I'm grateful for yeah. it. Um, that, that's kind of the, the McNeese story. Yeah, and I appreciate you sharing that, Tommy. And I thought of the quote when you were speaking about that story, that God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. It's one of my favorites. And definitely, as you were speaking too, I was like, man, God's grace was in, in that moment, in, in that time of your life. And how incredible is that he used you um, really just just in that time where, like you said, it was almost undeserved. It was almost like, wow, I'm not even ready for this. But uh, he prepared you. And that, that's an amazing story, an amazing testimony as well. Uh, just hearing because that is so rare, too. Right. Obviously, so many uh, directors of, of athletics are of an older age that being in that position at 25. I mean, that's I'm not far off 25. I'm, I'm 20, 23 here in a few months. So it's like, man. I can't even imagine. So it, it's yeah, I mean, my first uh, two games when I played against Northwestern State, so I'm the athletic director at McNeese, and now we go to Natchitoches, Louisiana. Yeah. 
uh, 60% of the roster were my teammates on a team from 2004 where wow. we won a conference championship. Yeah. And now I'm the AD across the field. Man. Um, you know, it, it, it just, um, it, it is, you know, it, it just, just, I look back and think about it. It's, it's so, it's an inverted model. And here I am now, we're going to get to it, right? So now I'm a deputy AD totally. and it's an inverted model of what yeah. others have done. Yeah. And that has been strategic in my own life totally. because there's gaps. Yep. So how, how do you, you know, you can't turn down the McNeese mm -hmm. opportunity if you get it at 25. Right. Um, you make the most of it. It wasn't like I was there one year. I was there almost six years yeah. leading the program, mm. winning championships. We, we were very successful. We had a tremendous amount of coaches and support staff. That's awesome. Um, and then, you know, had the opportunity to go to Louisiana Tech. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of that opportunity, in 2013, you did make that transition uh, to Louisiana Tech to serve as a director of athletics there. And kind of share with us, what did you do to land that role and share with us what that experience was like as compared to McNeese State? Yeah, it's a, a completely different experience because um, when you're the interim, yeah. so when you're an internal candidate, mm -hmm. and again, age aside, right, because that has its own challenges and right. conflicts, yep. um, but when, when you're the interim or you're the internal candidate, you become the interim and then yep. you get the job, yep. um, you don't have the benefit of being the celebrated person that comes in from the outside that people are just going to give the benefit of the doubt. You've probably already made some enemies. Yeah. And they have opinions about you. Mm -hmm. So that creates a unique challenge in it in its own right. Totally. And then so the Louisiana Tech was more of what a traditional way. So they hired yeah. a search firm. The search firm reached out to me. Uh, I applied for the job through the search firm. I was got the opportunity to interview. Yeah. Interviewed in Dallas. Uh, got back to Lake Charles, was told I got the job. And awesome. so then drive to Ruston and have a celebratory press conference where, you know, it's not 100%, but it's probably 60, 70%, if not more, the people are excited about you yeah. being there, right? Yeah. Uh, and they're like, we're looking forward to this great leadership. Mm -hmm. And so that had a different feeling to it. But um, it's a great responsibility when you have people's trust as well. Yeah. Um, earning people's trust versus maintaining their trust. Those are two different techniques. Very. And uh, anyway, so get, go to Louisiana Tech and, and was there for seven years. And, wow. you know, my, both of my sons were born in Lake Charles, but they were raised in Ruston. That's what they call home. Yeah. And, um, you know, just it's a remarkable place and grateful for the for the opportunity that Louisiana Tech gave me totally. and for the uh, experiences that we had there and the things that we got to accomplish and do together as a community. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, this opportunity here at Vanderbilt. Yeah, absolutely, Tommy. And jumping into that opportunity at Vanderbilt, that's your recent stop, obviously, is in Nashville as a Deputy Athletic Director of External Affairs and Revenue Generation. Share with us what the decision was like going from Louisiana Tech to Vanderbilt and how you landed that position at Vanderbilt in the Power Five? Yeah, I think that probably the last year or so uh, at Louisiana Tech, you kind of begin to, you know, just be pragmatic and, and thoughtful about what it is that, um, I mean, I'm, God has given me, he's embedded in me a desire to, to lead at the highest level. Yeah. And how do I achieve that? And mm -hmm. there were, uh, there was one significant gap 
that is a perceived gap. I would argue yeah. against it, yeah. uh, but but I can I could either choose to do that. I could mm-hmm. stay there and argue against it, mm-hmm. or I could go and address it. Totally. And that is that I had never worked at a Power Five university. And so as Power Five universities are trying to hire uh, an athletic director to lead them, I think they just want to know that you understand what it's like at that level. Right. And I'm not, uh, you know, that conversation is not foreign to me as I was hiring coaches at Louisiana Tech that might have been really, really good at Division Three or Division Two. I would ask myself the same question of them, right? Yeah. Uh, can they really recruit at this level? Can they really run a program at this level? Totally. And those questions may be unfair, but they're real. Totally. And, and so knowing that, it's like, okay, I can choose to continue to do here and stay here. This is great. Yeah. Or, um, you know, I can try to address – what is a perceived uh, gap in in who I am. And so that's one side of it. The other side of the coin is that our oldest son, who is 11, uh, Lawson, is autistic. Mm. And as we were raising him and and loving our time in Ruston, it was beginning to narrow for him the ability in that community for resources Mm. to push him academically to a level that we hope that we might have independence at one point in his life at some point. Yeah. And again, through the providence of God, um, in November of 2019, we were connected through an alumnus of Louisiana Tech, Kix mm. Brooks, who is a country music singer. Oh, yeah. He he is a Louisiana Tech graduate, and he is on the board of the Children's Hospital here in Nashville. I knew that. So I had a conversation with him about autism and uh, Vanderbilt. This is before Candace is even the athletics director. Wow. Uh, it has nothing to do with college athletics. This is about exploring and learning more about my son. Mm-hmm. And so he connects me with the head of the hospital. Uh, Fast forward November 2019, we come up here for three days. We learn an extensive amount about our son. He gets an additional diagnosis we did not know about. And it was amazing. Mm. And then we leave almost like a person that would be going to, you know, a a Nick Saban football camp, (laughs) a high school coach. They're like, man, this is great. And then they go back to their high school and realize they don't have the same players he has. And so it's a challenge, right? Right. And so we went back to our community and it, and it just, it's like, man, we've got to be around more resourced people. Yeah. So that's November of 19, August mm-hmm. of 2020. Yeah. I get a phone call from Vanderbilt about, Hey, would you at all consider the possibility of leaving the AD chair to, to, to work for Candace mm-hmm. and, uh, and to be a deputy AD uh, here wow. in Nashville, well, of all the places, yeah. it, it one it checks off a power five for me. It, it it gives me the opportunity to say that I worked at a at a high level academic school, which I had mm. not previously been able to do. Yeah, um, and it is the one place that I had previously just gone within less than a year to learn more about my son mm. as it relates to autism. Wow, and so the combination of the professional gap and the need for more resources for my son, it just felt. Uh, that we needed to look at this and pray about it. And so we, we began to have conversations mm-hmm. with Candace and through that, just God just very uh, made it very clear that this is where we need to be. Mm-hmm. Not without hiccups. I mean, right. our family loved Rustin. I mean, it yeah. was a tight knit community. We had very totally. deep formed relationships, which we still do. Yeah. And then you move to a larger community mm-hmm. that is your communities are d- diluted because they're larger. Yeah. Um, and, you're doing it during the middle of a pandemic. And totally. so you can't interact with people the way you would when you would normally move into a community. Right. So the first year 
it was really a challenge in, mm. over the first six to seven months. Yeah. Um, but we're, we, we, we love it here. We're mm. enjoying uh, our time here. And the, the more time that goes by, our, our boys are Tennesseans. Yeah. And so they're, they're experiencing what I would hope they would, yeah. which is a grafting into the new community in a way that is uh, meaningful for them. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a really inspiring and moving story. I've done a lot of these podcasts, had a lot of conversations with uh, individuals that are leaders in the sport industry, and that might be one of the most moving stories of uh, transition to a new job that I've, that I've heard. And um, it's really amazing for you having the courage to really put your family first. I think that's something for our listeners. A lot of our, our network is young, um, not married, not in a relationship, but that will come. Um, and the decisions that, that you make affect your family. Um, so I think that's amazing. And secondly, obviously, God is good, right? God is good. We, we know that already. But man, hearing that story just just moves me, man. Uh, Tommy, just how incredible that is that he, over time, set that up in, in a way that it worked out so well for you and your family um, and provided the blessing of the Power Five, the blessing of uh, having the hospital and resources there. I mean, how incredible is that? So I appreciate you sharing, and that's really, truly incredible. So thank you for that. And then lastly, Tommy, what advice would you give a young professional who is desiring to work uh, as an administrator in college athletics? Yeah, I mean, you you know, you probably hear a lot of these things, right? I mean, you're being willing, um, willing to learn, willing yep. to listen, yep. uh, volunteer. We've talked about that. Yep. You know, I mean, you can't. And, and again, the older I get, I sound more and more like, you know, the old codger, right? Like, but uh, it's like it does seem as though some some younger individuals, uh, they just want to microwave it. They just want to go to the, you know, want to get to this next level. And that's a hard conversation for me to have because I became an AD at 25. Right. Uh, so I, so I'm very mindful of the words that I would say when that happened. Um, but I'm, but I'm pragmatic and understanding that that is not normal. And that, that is, that is not what I was seeking. Right. I wasn't, I didn't go to McNeese thinking I want to be, take Sonny's job. Right. I want to be the AD here. Yeah. Uh, I did not go there thinking that it happened to me and yeah. I was grateful that I felt prepared to, to do that and yeah. that I learned. But I think that, you know, people just need to know that they're, they're you got to be patient. Yeah. Uh, you, you've got to forge through toughness because even once you get the AD job. So for me, I'm an old country guy. It's like it's like the dog that sits at the end of the the driveway and he's chasing the car. Well, he never really thinks about what he's going to do when he catches the car. He's right. never thought through that. Yeah. And for me, it's like I had this dream of being an AD, and yeah. all of a sudden I caught that dream early. Mm. Well, it's no longer about being the assistant AD for here three years, being an associate AD here two years, mm. being a senior associate for five years here, and then becoming an AD. It's not about right. time. Uh, served. Right. It's about things accomplished mm-hmm. because all of a sudden now I'm the AD. It doesn't matter how long I'm at McNeese. Right. If we don't graduate our students, if we don't win championships, and if we don't do the things we need to do uh, in the community, we're, I am not going to be viewed as a success. Yeah. So it doesn't matter about like, oh, I became an AD and we just sit here for five years. Right. It's actually more important that we're mm-hmm. accomplishing things. Yeah. And so when I talk to people uh, and, and, and there was like, well, what about this job? What about that job? The best thing you can do for your next job is to do the job you have now yeah. well. Yeah. And to be attracted to people. It's okay to network. It's okay right. to talk to people. It's okay to uh, to create a vision for yourself and to share that to others. Totally. But you cannot you cannot be a, 
you know, uh, inadequate or failing in your current job mm. as you're pursuing others. You have to be focused on doing the job you have well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I would say as it relates to networking, I know we have conferences and we all have like little mm. different uh, opportunities to gather. Yeah. I would say being way more intentional. Uh, so think of it as like, uh, you know, annual fund versus major gift, right? Yeah. So we think of it in terms of athletics. Yeah. If you go to a big conference, let's just say NACTA is an example, where thousands of people mm -hmm. and your objective is to talk to a thousand people, that's not effective. Right. I would say it's more of a major gift approach. Who are the four or five or six people that you either admire as people to aspire to be mm. or peer to peer people that you want to get to know better right. and be intentional about creating depth in that relationship. Mm. The, 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 the relationships of colleagues that broaden happen over time, but the relationships that have depth or mm. what will be, you know, those are going to be the people that you're kind of your cohort of people that are yeah. helping you migrate totally. through this thing called college athletics. And if there's no depth there, they don't really know you. Mm. They might know of you. They right. don't know you. And so I would encourage people to, to be intentional about contacting people. And I feel it all the time. Someone's trying to reach out to me and I've been there and I can tell. Is this an annual fund conversation or is yeah. this a major gift conversation? Totally. And the annual fund conversations are superficial, they're quick, and they're just wanting to check it off. Mm -hmm. The major gift conversations are intentional and they take time totally. and effort. Yeah, absolutely, Tommy. And I love that point because we always preach, we talk about networking as a huge thing in this generation and this, you know, and going through college myself just a year ago, networking is a huge focus. But it's not as much networking, it's connecting. It's making connections, building true relationships so that those individuals can actually grow you, can have a mentor, have somebody that helps you along the way, goes to bat for you. Um, yes. So I, I love that point. I think for young professionals, it definitely is something to really take in and, and actually put to use um, as you journey through the sport industry. So I appreciate that. It's a great point. It's a great point. If you want to get involved with Uncommon Sports Group and the mission that we are on to help you navigate the sport industry as followers of Christ, apply for our training experience on our website at uncommonsg.org. That's uncommonsg.org. Be sure to catch this new series of the Uncommon Podcast every Thursday at midnight Eastern time, as well as the full video episodes on our YouTube channel. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God in whatever you may do. See you next week.